Good morning, fine people. Diane Bondi here. Welcome to the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast. Today, I want to talk about what happened over the weekend. So if those of you who do not know, we've had another mass shooting in the United States in Buffalo, New York at a Topps grocery store, a um, self-confirmed white nationalist Republican who should not remain named, uh, took an automatic weapon, wrote nigger on it and reparations, and went into a densely populated black community and opened fire, killing 10 people uh, and wounding three more. 13 people were either injured or killed uh, during this um, attack, this terrorist attack. And of course, uh, we're now seeing the uh, bullshit that ensues after that. Uh, So I was watching a person talking about the shooting, a politician, I believe, a black politician, I believe, and uh, Fox News and a Fox affiliate was interviewing him and they defaulted to, this is a troubled young man. And, you know, isn't this mental health at work? And then I get fucking irritated when we give white terrorists um, almost the benefit of the doubt, saying that they're somehow troubled and uh, this is why they do the things they do, mental health, right? And maybe Mental Health Awareness Month, I thought I would address this, especially when this is the well-being podcast where we openly talk uh, about mental health. I talk about my mental health all the time. Uh, I'm in therapy. I think everybody should be in therapy. I think therapy should be free for everyone. I understand everybody can't be in therapy because the costs can be super prohibited. Um, Whenever I see my credit card statement, I keep telling myself, deep breath in, deep breath out. This is worth it. And I have have, uh, benefits, right? My husband has benefits. So I get somewhat of a subsidy for um, mental health. And he has a an employee assistance program. And I actually at the gym that I work at also have an employee assistance program. So I have access to mental health counseling. And what I know as a, as a person who has had mental health issues and has a lot of mental health um, concerns, problems, issues um, running in my family. uh, I know that people with severe mental health issues are usually self-harming. They're not folks that take an automatic rifle, go into a a grocery store, premeditated, I might add, drove three miles to learn about the demographic of the most densely populated um, black community and chose specifically that black community. I was looking at D.L. Hughley's Instagram page today, and there's a video of the shooter because, of course, he was streaming it live on Twitch, Um, uh, you know, apologizing to a white man that he uh, pointed his rightful at. So he was fully aware of what he was doing. He admitted he was fully aware of what he's doing, but yet the press wants to float this idea that there's some mental health issues there. (sighs) Here's the thing that I have the problem with that is we as black folks are never given the benefit of the doubt or given that kind of thought Our mental health is never considered in any situation like this. And what will be expected of black folks is that we'll go back to work today like this didn't happen. We'll go back to our lives today like this is just another day. 
that we are somehow not affected. When you look at the people who were killed and murdered in this grocery store, who look like your aunties and your grandma and your grandpa, your father, your brothers, your sisters, your parents, right? These people look like you. So you can't help but feel this very personally. And then white folks get to be completely disassociated from this. Oh, this is horrible. How could this happen? We're, we are not this in America. You certainly are. Racism is woven into the fabric of any country that was colonized by Europe, any country that believes in white supremacy. This is an ongoing problem. But what I absolutely despise is how we default to mental health as an excuse for what the shooter did and as, um, I don't know, as a way to be like, oh, he's a, he's a troubled, troubled young man. And, you know, this is, this is a mental health issue. And what was really interesting, and I don't know if I can share it on here. I don't think I can, but a friend of mine, Salem Debs um, on Instagram, I, I share a lot of her work. So uh, you can check out my Instagram page and see the things that she does. She's an anti-racism educator. She's also here in Canada with me. She lives um, in, well, like South Central Ontario out in Waterloo area and region. And she put up a post of the shooter being escorted out, not a scratch on him, of course, right? He just murdered, mass murdered 10 people and there's not a scratch on him. Quite frankly, when the police bring him out, it's almost like a pat on the back, the way that he is being handled very gently, very sympathetically. His posture is very relaxed. He doesn't seem frightened. But yet we watch George Floyd, who was not armed and didn't do anything wrong, uh, die in the street with a police officer kneeling on his back. There was a picture of a child who was at school sitting on a bench and a white kid came up and was arguing with him. The kid didn't get off the couch. The two of them were fighting back and forth. And the school police officer came, three of them, and pinned this black kid down to the floor, almost breaking his shoulder. Unarmed, not fighting, having a verbal disagreement with somebody at school on a couch, the white kid got to watch the whole thing go down. So I'm really sick and tired of people telling me this is all in my imagination. And I'm also critically, critically aware of how the GOP, Republican politics that leans to the alt-right's um, extremism help fuel this fire. And because we love to have copycats on things like this, that this has the potential to be repeated before the end of the week. And so I'm on the National Library of Medicine's website right now, and I'm reading from an, inch, uh, an abstract, which says mental illness, mass shootings, and the politics of American firearms. There are four assumptions frequently arise in the aftermath of mass shootings in the U.S. That the mental illness caused the gun violence, and I would argue that guns cause gun violence. Um, that that psychiatric diagnosis can predict 
gun crime, that shootings represent a deranged acts of mentally ill loners, and that gun control won't prevent another fill-in-the-blank mass shooting. They happen every week. So you fill in the blank. And a mass shooting is anywhere where two or more people are, are murdered. Okay. Each of these statements represents an opportunity for folks not to be held accountable for the things that they do. Do I think people who go out and commit mass shootings have something wrong with them? Of course. Do I think uh, that racism is part or even white supremacy is part of um, a mental state of disillusion. Absolutely. Because white supremacy is the largest lie and the largest disillusion and it affects all of us. Right. So we know that notions of mental illness emerge immediately after a mass shooting. And it largely reflects cultural stereotypes and anxieties about race, ethnicity, social class, and politics. And the issues become obscured when mass shootings come to stand in for all gun crime, when mentally ill ceases to be the designation and becomes the sign of a violent threat. So this is from the abstract National Library of Medicine. Okay, they're talking about mass shootings in America. We have them here too. We have hate crimes here too in Canada, but we use this as an idea that these killers were delusional and deranged, and you know, and they're dangerous, and they were loners. And what kills me most of the time, and maybe kills me isn't the proper phrase, but what astonishes me most of the time is a lot of these shooters will have a manifesto that they that they publicly published. And we don't seem to take anybody seriously. We give people access to automatic military grade weapons in the United States. You probably can buy it at a Costco. The only reason that you would need a military grade semiotic a semi-automatic weapon is if you are intending to kill a lot of people in a short amount of time. Why military grade rifles are available outside the military is beyond me. I live in a country where gun control is strictly reg regulated and I've been told, I don't know if it's true, there's statistics on both sides, that Canadians have as many guns as the US. I don't know if that's true or not. But you don't, we don't have a mass shooting here every week. We don't. We have mass shootings. We've had mass shootings, but not on the level or the scale that they do on the, in the United States. And I'm not trying to you know, have the, the moral high road here because Canada is a hot shit show in and of itself when it comes to race and violence and all the things. We are no better than the United States. We just happen to have better PR. And I'll repeat this again because I think it bears repeating that any country that has been affected by colonialism and white supremacy are gonna have these issues. Go to Australia, they have a problem with racism. Hell, go to New Zealand, I'm sure they have a problem with racism. North America, Canada. Canada just happens to have better PR or are in, di or in deeper denial of their racism. We had a family 
in London, Ontario, which is 90 minutes from where I live right here in uh, Essex County, who was killed because they were Muslim by an angry white dude. They were run down because they were Muslim. So don't pretend Canadians that this isn't a problem that doesn't happen here as well. We had a young man in Peel region who was wrongfully arrested by the police, lost his eye and went to sue the police. And get this, get this, the Canadian public taxpayer dollars paid to defend the police who were in the wrong which this man was permanently injured for the rest of his life and suing for damages because he lost his eye in the confrontation. We as Canadian taxpayer paid for the police to defend themselves in a wrongful situation. Tell me how fucked up that is. Okay. All right. Tell me how fucked up that is. And then we pretend like these people are just delusional of their own account when they come into these mass shooting situations. You know, they had a history of being troubled. They don't take into account that we have a state funded propaganda machine pumping out information that is false. And this replacement theory that Tucker Carlson was pushing that had dire and fatal consequences and will still have dire and fatal consequences throughout the world for black and brown populations. This idea of the replacement theory. I don't understand that theory and I need somebody to explain it to me. Because black folks have been here on Turtle Island since 1619, okay? 1619. If we were going to replace white folks, wouldn't that have happened already? Right? And this idea, and don't, don't think that this isn't intrinsically linked. Okay. That abortion law is being rolled back because for the first time in the last decade, White folks or the population of people who consider themselves white has been declining. So there's this fear that we will no longer be the majority, have the rule. And for white supremacy, ruling and over people is what they want. I want to be elevated up here. That way I can rule over and make decisions for and keep people oppressed. And pretending like we're not all part of the problem is ridiculous. We are born into white supremacy. We live in the house of white supremacy. And if you're white, rent free. Right? We never think about what our everyday actions or how our everyday actions contribute to the suffering of others because we are unaware or uninformed, or we want to separate ourselves from those white people. It's not helpful. It's not helpful. You still benefit from the privilege of being white and always given the benefit of the doubt. And when you do something shitty, oh, their mental health, they were a troubled soul. Other people don't get that grace ever, even though we are actively watching people who look like us be murdered in front of us and often with no justice. 
Can you imagine how dehumanizing that is for somebody and to walk around the world with that kind of trauma, not to mention the generational trauma of human trafficking and enslavement? Piled on, piled on, piled on, piled on. We've been fighting a war since 1619 to have our humanity recognized. And yet these things keep happening. People feel sorry. But I knew, I knew when George Floyd died and the whole world watched and there was an uprising of Black Lives Matter and people were feeling bad. And for God's sakes, they were marching in a tiny town 20 minutes from here. Everybody was marching. Everybody was engaged. This is going to be different, Diane. We are, our eyes have been opened. We're going to be different about this. This is going to be the change. Really? I knew. I knew that this was going to mean nothing because if you watch history, every 30 years we have these uproars and we take a few steps forward in our equality and equity. And then we take 10 steps back and it's terrifying. So let me read to you this from the Washington Post. The man authorities say opened fired in a Buffalo grocery store Killing 10 appears to have left behind a white supremacist doctor, uh, document centered on the idea of a plot to replace the white population with immigrants. This far-right conspiracy theory, known as the Great Replacement Theory, has inspired a lot of recent violence, including the 2019 Christian Church Mosque shooting in New Zealand, where the shooter warned of white genocide. He later... Uh, pleaded guilty to 51 murders and 40 attempted murders engaging in a terrorist act. Some of the torch-bearing Unite the Right demonstrators included the Ku Klux Klan members and neo-Nazis who terrorized Charlottesville in 2017 were also motivated by this theory. That the increase of the non-white population fueled by immigration will destroy white Western civilization. Okay, so we can float this theory, we can teach this theory, but we can't teach critical race theory. We have to ban books teaching people how to be anti-racist. Because we don't want young white folks or young child, white children to feel bad about their history. We don't want to teach the truth of history because somebody might feel uncomfortable or feel bad. But it's okay to float this ridiculous idea the great replacement theory as plausible and feasible because it means the death of the people you feel that you are being replaced by. So this man, this child, this boy, 18 years old, who has been radicalized, posted a 180-page document arguing that white Americans were in danger being replaced by people of color. I just would like to point out to white folks in the world, you are the global minority and you always have been. It's only here in North America that you ma that your that your uh, ancestors managed to murder six to eight million dollar eight million indigenous folks so that you could be the dominant culture here. If you look at the population of the world, the majority of the population of the world are people of color. The largest countries with the largest populations or the largest um, populations within smaller countries even are folks of color. 
It's only here that you sit in the majority. And I don't know what you think is going to happen when the demographics change because it was inevitable. It always was going to happen. And I know that this rise of the right is here to stop that. It's here to roll back the rights of women. Abortion is directly linked to this great replacement theory. They somehow think overturning Roe v. Wade is going to increase the amount of white children who are born, when in all actuality, rich white women and probably white women in general will still have access to abortion. It doesn't make any sense, right? So where does this idea of the great replacement theory come from? Theodore Jill, uh, G. Bilbar, a Democrat, and the governor, twice the governor of Mississippi, before he served in the U.S. Senate from 1935 to 1947, was the creator of this idea, the great replacement theory. An equal opportunity racist, he hated black folks, Italian folks, Jews. The bulk of his loathing was reserved for black Americans which he spelled out in his book in, that was written in 1947. Take your choice, separation and mongrelization. This is where this idea comes from. So his thought in order to remove the situation of the great replacement was to ship the descendants of enslaved Africans back to Africa. And quite frankly, the way I was feeling all this week, I was like, maybe it's time for those of us of African descent to pack it all in because we're going to get murdered. Laws are never going to change. Systemic racism is going to be something we always have to battle. Is it worth it to be constantly traumatized? Is it actually worth it? What if we, as a group of people, packed up our culture, our music, our food, our inventions, our contributions to society, and you wrote us a big fat check because you owed us, and we packed up our shit, did our DNA test, and headed back to the homeland? I think white Western civilization wouldn't survive without having people of color to prop it up, to do the hard work, to get paid less so white folks can get paid more. Could it be that's the only way that white supremacy would fall apart? You could have your prestigious white America, and then what? Who would you hate after that? If all the folks of color decided, you know what, we're tired of fearing for our lives, for our children to be educated in white supremacist schools, for not getting credit for the things that we do, for always being blamed for the things that are wrong. What if we just packed everybody collectively, just packed everything up and we went back to our places of origin? What would happen to Western society? There'd be no cool music. There'd be no great food. Everything would just be uniform and the same. Is that what we want? 
I don't know. I'm just on a rant this morning. My feelings are hurt. I'm taking this personally. I'm starting to question whether it was such a good idea to have children. Gas prices today are at a buck two twenty nine. Filling up the gas tank of the van from half a tank costs ninety dollars. Right? There's this constant fighting for equity and humanity to be realized. Is that worth it? Because it doesn't seem to be working. Not enough people care about this. And now I've created these two brown human beings who have got to continue to do to fight the fight that their great grandparents were fighting. The fight that their mother fights for every single day of her existence for them so that the world would be a better place for them. My goal was to leave the world a better place for all of us, for equity, for us to recognize the humanity in each other and notice that we are better together. But I don't see that happening. Not enough people care about this. The thing that terrifies me the most is it's very possible that you will have a Republican be the president of the United States in the next election. And because the Republican has Republicans have lost their way or created a new path, or maybe this was always their intention, even more rights will be rolled back. Even more people will be killed. Even more lies will be told. Even more people will lose their status as human beings. <sighs> anyway, how does this bear on my mental well-being? Not well. So today being Monday, I am calling off black, as I call it. I'm going to step out of the world for a little bit. I'm going to take my toys and leave the sandbox because I can't. I literally can't anymore. Not today. I'm going to need to take some time to brush myself off, lick my wounds, and fight for another day. Because if I give up, then what? If I pack up all my toys and leave the sandbox, then I'm no better than anybody else who doesn't give a shit or doesn't do anything. I just have to keep doing it. I don't really have a choice to tap in or tap out. I decided to have children, so I have to work hard at making the world a safer, better place for them. <sighs> so as of today, that's the last mass shooting. As I'm recording this podcast on May 16th, 2022 at 1035 in the morning, I predict by the end of the week, something else will happen and we'll have the same reaction. My thoughts, my prayer, my condolences all over Twitter and Instagram and the few of us who are really angry speaking out and people posting all over Instagram until the next fatal shooting, which we will probably again do nothing. No laws will change, right? The rise of the alt-right and this idea 
that we are replaceable as a culture um, or as a group of people is ridiculous and isn't based in any kind of fact. And defaulting to mental health issues as the reason for these mass shootings is also delusional. We know these reasons for these mass shootings of black churches and black grocery stores and black bodies and black people running through the streets, jogging and black people just existing is based in white supremacy and not based in anything else. All right, everyone, that's all that I have. I have to get on with my day. I have to stop ranting, I guess. But thank you for being here for my rant. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share, like, subscribe. Go to iTunes and rate it, please. It really helps my podcast. And if you're interested in having anybody me interview anybody or you're interested in and of itself of being on the intentional well-being podcast, please reach out to me at Diane at dianebondyyoga.com. Or you can reach out to me on my Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and let's get in touch. So thank you everyone for being here and have yourself an incredible day. Peace and blessings, everyone.